0: It's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Takes a shot. Here's Collins Davis, wide open. Davis, still going, and he's in for the touchdown. He'll hit immediately yes. when he got the handoff. You know and <laughs> The q Oh, my gosh. Listen, Thank you.
1: From the playlikeajet.com digital studios. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it's time to answer more of your mailbag questions. So for that, we bring in the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang. Over at jetsinsider.com and above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. So let's jump right back into the mailbag. Next question comes in from the Jet Ranger, one of our guys at playlikeajet.com. He says, of the non-Brice Hall options at corner... Who does it seem will likely take the second corner spot if the Jets don't add anybody between now and the regular season? I would assume Bless Austin just by process of elimination. Who else could it be? Javelin
0: Guidry, because I because I like the name Javelin.
1: Guidry's <laughs> good in the slot. I don't know that he's necessarily going to win the starting slot job, by the way, and we'll talk about that a little bit later because people had some questions about the draft picks. But I don't see him playing outside. So could it be anybody other than Bless Austin?
0: I don't know. I'm just I. I really like the name Javelin. So, um, (laughs) I I think this is a more uh, this is a uh, more entertaining thing to talk about because the the Jets cornerback situation is not good. If 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 you need any of these other guys to be that uh, number two corner, that's going to be a problem. It won't be one I will say too much about during the season because I have been the one openly clamoring more offense, offense, offense. So uh, I will be a restraint in how I criticize it. But, yeah, that will be a problem. Whoever it is, any of the other guys, Lamar Jackson, any of the uh, other guys here, uh, I would not feel comfortable. Bless Austin, I I would not feel comfortable. Uh, Go ahead, prove me wrong. Uh, but yeah, I, I I think they need to go out and sign somebody
1: Not good is one way to put it, Chris I think you could probably be a little more colorful But I appreciate you reining yourself in For the purposes of the younger listeners Next question comes in from Michael Palace He says, can you see Davis or May sliding to the Will linebacker role While moving Dean or Sherwood back into a safety role on occasion Essentially just flipping the players' positions for that play Possibly Robert Sala likes to get creative Jeff Earlbrick likes to get creative Who knows he could go crazy And do a whole bunch of different looks So it's not impossible I could see that happening
0: Yeah I mean I, I expect them to be doing uh, Three safety sets And to get those guys All on the field You know uh, Davis May And Lamarcus Joiner there um, And yeah you could absolutely see them Doing something like that for a play here Or two I, I I still think you're going to see uh you know more often not you're going to see May back there as a free safety uh I I think you can see Ash and Davis used a little bit more and maybe you a probably not uh you know a couple snaps here and there will maybe sure but I expect to see him a little more in the box but uh. Yeah, I, I don't think that's something that you're gonna see a ton of, but I do think you're gonna see um them just having being interchangeable parts, moving stuff around a lot.
1: Next question comes in from Christian Ashholt. He says, What's the worst draft pick by the Jets ever and why is it Christian Hackenberg? It's not Christian Hackenberg, actually. The answer to this is Vernon Golston. And I've actually had this discussion many times and as somebody who knows Jets history very well. The reason why Vernon Golston is far and away the worst draft pick the Jets have ever made is a combination of production and where he was picked on top of expectation. The thing is, when you draft a quarterback in the second round, yes, you're expecting more than what Christian Hackenberg gave you, and he was a terrible pick, no question about it. But he was a second-round quarterback. If the second-round quarterback ends up not doing anything for you, it was really more of a dart throw, because once you get past the first round, you're really just hoping for something when you draft a quarterback. When you draft a pass rusher at number six overall, you're expecting that guy to make an impact. And Vernon Golston had zero career sacks. In fact, he was so bad... That if he hadn't been picked sixth overall, he wouldn't have even made the roster. People have talked about Johnny Lamb Jones, and I understand that one because Johnny Lamb Jones, obviously a huge disappointment. But Johnny Lamb Jones was basically an okay number three receiver. Not what you want from a guy that you pick at number two overall and traded up a bunch of picks to get. But at least he had moments. He made plays. He had some good games. Vernon Golston had zero good games. He made virtually no plays whatsoever, and he barely lasted on this team. He was only here for three years, and he only started five games. So he was abysmal, easily the worst draft pick the Jets ever made, and one of the worst draft picks in the history of the NFL, which covers a lot of ground. So Hackenberg, a terrible pick, but to me doesn't even come close to comparing to Golston just based on where they were picked and what the expectations were for both of them.
0: Yeah, see, I'm gonna take a different angle here because I think the Vernon Golston pick is more defensible than the Christian Hackenberg pick. Uh, the Vernon Golston pick, number one, like it, it was obviously a huge bust. There's no debating that. But that draft was that that first round was awful. I mean, you got a couple good players in that first round, Gerard Mayo, uh Jonathan Stewart, uh, Brennan Albert, you got a couple like, a kid talib. Uh, but when, for what, where they were drafting at the time, what they needed, everything else around them, it's more defensible than taking Christian Hackenberg. I don't care. Anything is more defensible than taking Christian Hackenberg because it was obvious from just from watching that he shouldn't have been drafted, let alone been drafted in the second round. There was no way that he was going to be an NFL quarterback. It was so painfully obvious. He didn't deserve to be drafted. I I can defend the, uh, the science behind picking Vernon Golston more than I can behind picking Christian Hackenberg. You pick Christian Hackenberg, you might as well just picked me. You might as well just giving that uh, trade draft pick away to charity. I mean, just do something with it because there there was never going to be anything there. I at least understand what they were thinking with Colston, even if it was a bust and obviously worked out horribly. I can at least see the logic and the reasoning behind it.
1: I can understand the logic and the reasoning behind it, but that doesn't make it any better of a draft pick. It's still the worst draft pick they ever made when you consider the expectations for him and where he was drafted. As far as Hackenberg, I don't agree that he never should have been drafted. I think you could make a case he could have been a late-round draft pick. The difference here, of course, is that the Jets reached majorly with him. The idea was, of course, that they liked his raw tools And they were going to try and build him into something That's not what you do with a second-round pick Who performed as poorly as he did But again, when you're talking about a guy that was picked 50th As opposed to a guy that's picked 6th Much different expectations Hackenberg certainly one of the worst draft picks in Jets history But as far as I'm concerned When you're talking about a guy that was picked 6th in the draft I don't care how bad that draft is And there were other players You talked about a couple of them Gerard Mayo was in that draft Draft, Dominique Rogers Cromartie Brandon Albert Joe Flacco you remember this Is before they went out and got Brett Favre, Gotzer Cherilis Was a good player, Jeff Ota Keeb Tlaib, so there were guys In there, and I understand that that Top 10 was not great, but that To me is more of an argument for somebody Like Leonard Williams, when you say, okay Well, he didn't perform like the sixth overall Pick, but look at the rest of the guys Around him, when you consider that, it wasn't That bad, when you're talking about Vernon Golston, there's no excuse for that Because he's one of the worst draft picks In the history of the NFL I hate that we even have to argue it. About this though, Chris, because it's just painful. I don't want to talk about these guys who are such terrible players for the Jets. We'll just say that both of those guys were bad, and we could make a laundry list of terrible picks. Ironically, though, one of the picks that got panned the most by the experts, specifically Mel Kuiper, was Jeff Lagerman, and he ended up being a really good player. So that just goes to show you that sometimes the experts don't know anything. In fact, I would argue that a lot of the times the experts don't really know anything. Next question comes in from Randy Sherman. He says, could the Jets wait to bring in a veteran outside corner like Sherman or maybe if they miss on Sherman, and pivot to Nelson? Yeah, we've talked about this a couple of times. I don't think Sherman's coming here unless he has virtually no other options, although it is already June, so I don't know what's going on there. Maybe he hasn't gotten the interest that he thought he would. Nelson, I know the Jets were interested, I know that Nelson wanted a lot more money than the Jets were willing to pay And I know that Wilson seems intent on sitting out if he doesn't get what he thinks is the rightful amount of money. He's made a lot of money already, and he doesn't need money, and he says that he's fine with just not playing if he doesn't get market value. Maybe he's bluffing, and he's going to lower his asking price, and then maybe the Jets will jump in. I don't know. So at this moment, that's where you stand, I think, on both Sherman and Nelson.
0: Yeah, if I was Richard Sherman, I wouldn't be in any type of rush. To sign a contract, I'd be waiting till the end of training camp to sign a contract. Maybe there's an injury pops up, get you some more money, uh, or get you a better, uh, you know, a team to go to. Uh, Steven Nelson, I might be wanting to uh, get that that money a little bit quicker. Uh, he hasn't made quite as much money as Richard Sherman in his life, so uh, I, I think if I'm Sherman, I'd rather sit back and wait for the right opportunity to pop up. But yeah, I I still again I I said this before they they need to upgrade that number two spot. They're obviously not in any rush to do that as well either. But I I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if in the next week or two we we see a, something on that on the steven Nelson front. Uh, but yeah, like you said, that the numbers still got to match up. they they don't want to just pay him exactly what he wants, but that might have to be some type of waiting game. But I think the closer we get to the season, they're going to realize, yeah, we, we, we need to show up this number two quarterback spot pretty pretty quickly.
1: And that goes along with what Zach Wilson to Jets had to say. He says, do you guys think that Joe Douglas is being a little too thrifty? I hate seeing Morgan Moses walk out the door and still wondering what the holdup is with Steven Nelson. I understand that, but you also have to be careful in terms of contracts. You don't want to be handing out deals that you know already you're going to regret in a year. So they've got to balance it out. You want to see him make sure that he shores up that number two corner spot, and certainly Morgan Moses would be a nice add. But there's a lot of gray area there, and we don't know exactly what's going on behind the scenes.
0: Yeah, with Morgan Moses, I think there's... A, you, you got some questions about exactly what uh, would happen there, the role, the fit, uh, or maybe we do. Maybe they wouldn't. Uh, but uh, there is – I know, the, I, like you said, I know there's an urgency, especially from fans, and you just want to see that get shored up. But you can't just be – like, we're still talking about Stephen Nelson here. Like, yes, he's out there, he's available, and he would be an instant upgrade from what they have but he's still just steven nelson uh, and you can't get yourself caught up and paying a player like steven nelson you know is, obviously he's not getting uh, stefan gilmore money or anything like that but you can't have uh, pay him like even you know a, a top 10 corner you can't find yourself in a position where you're doing that cuz he's still steven nelson fans are all sitting there saying bring me steven nelson i want steven nelson Uh, and if they get steven nelson as a reasonable contract you'll be fine with it but if they pay steven nelson a lot of money you're gonna end up being upset that they paid steven nelson a lot of money so there there is a middle ground there and it's this is one of these things it's it's impossible for us to really judge because we don't know where the numbers are if like if joe douglas is Refusing to uh, sign Stephen Douglas over or Steven Nelson over five hundred thousand dollars, or even five thousand dollars a year, then yeah, okay, I'm I'm I'll criticize him for that. If the Gulf is two to three million, um, I'm probably not gonna criticize him so much. So you can criticize him for not being so aggressive, but we don't know what that Gulf is, so it's really kind of hard to really criticize him for that. Uh, but I think I'm pretty sure that that is the case here is he's just not trying to overpay. He, he knows he probably would might have to overpay a little, but there's, there's only so much. He's going to be over willing to overpay for Steven Nelson. Again, he, he is only Steven Nelson. We do this thing when things get scarce and we were uh, beat reporters. We were joking about this the other day about how fans right back for um, final roster cut fans are always clamoring about arguing about those last two guys to make the roster and then uh everyone's up in arms when somebody gets cut or whatever and then this player makes the roster everyone's happy about it a week later he ends up getting cut and nobody cares this is is what happens everyone gets so excited because steven nelson's the one guy left we got to go get steven nelson Pretty soon, you're not going to care about Stephen Nelson one way or the other. He's still just Stephen Nelson. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
1: Go to your happy place for a Happy price Go to
0: your happy price, price line. Play like a jet Play like a jet
1: Next question comes in from Jets N Z. He says, any idea why the timing of the new contracts Is usually around the July-August period? Haven't heard of any extensions given through the league And last year it all started coming at a round training camp I honestly don't know the answer Chris, is there any specific reason why this would be the case?
0: Yeah, I'll tell you why that is the case. It's still COVID-related. It's still um, salary cap-related. Normally, teams have a better idea of how the salary cap is going to work in, you know, the future. Uh, There's still a little – the projections are still a little more wild over there. So things got uh, pushed back a little bit in the calendar, teams – have to wait to see how other things develop Before they can start giving out these contracts So I think that that's all it is It's just that the schedule has been kind of rearranged Because they have to be a little more careful With how they work around the cap
1: Next question comes in from Sammy Rabdu He says, would you rather see the team Utilize Elijah Moore as much as possible Or lean on Cole and Crowder in the slot I want to see the rookie Personally I think a lot of people are going to be surprised with how many different ways they can use Elijah Moore because he's not just a slot receiver and that's a misconception that a lot of us had going into the draft myself included I thought he'd be primarily a slot receiver he can win all over the field so yeah he'll play in the slot but I think he'll play outside they'll do some gadget stuff with him he's going to be a little bit of everything in this offense especially as a rookie. So. I would like to see him as much as possible, but I don't think that necessarily means that you can't see Crowder or Cole.
0: Yeah. And this is the thing with the people saying, you know, Oh, this means Crowder's gone. Crowder and Moore can coexist on the same team in the same offense. Uh, I, I said it at the draft Moore, more is a slot plus, if anything, and yeah, you'll do a lot of damage, uh, I, I also think that Elijah Moore, like a best way to describe him is kind of like a, a blend of Tyree Kill and Debo Samuel. Like he's not going to – he doesn't have the top end of full explosive takeoff the top of the defense quite like Tyree Kill. And he's not quite as physical as a Debo Samuel. But the style is the same, is similar to both those guys, and he can be used in both those types of ways. Um, you can uh, he can absolutely win on the outside. They can put him on the outside, and they can have uh, Crowder in the slot with them. Uh, that they can absolutely coexist. So <clears throat> I don't think this is an either or situation, and uh, especially if you have a healthy Corey Davis and a healthy Denzel Mims. You're going to have them doing most of their stuff on the outside. So, ideally, then you'd have more inside slot there. But Elijah Moore is not a slot receiver. He can do more. He is much more than just a slot receiver. He will probably line up in the slot the most. But he absolutely can be used in many different ways outside of just the slot.
1: That's going to wrap up the mailbag. Make sure that you're following Chris on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider and reading his very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. And check out everything we're doing over at playlikeajet.com. Luke Grant's got an over-under betting guide if you want to get in on the action early and start betting on some of these teams over-under win totals for the 2021 season. And speaking of Luke, he's doing some great work on our YouTube channel right now. Film breakdowns of Elijah Moore, Zach Wilson. He's got one of Michael Carter as well, and so much more. Plus, Caleb Pace's commentaries, Pace's playbook. If you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And make sure you give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcast and content, you know where to go That's PlayLikeAJetDigital and PlayLikeAJet.com